You're listening to the Secret Muse Society, where we pull out the things we keep hidden about ourselves. What are the secrets that actually hold us back from the connection we crave? And what happens when we tap into the inspiration we have to offer the world? I'm your host, authenticity coach, Karen Choi. Let's dive in together. Hello, Muse. This episode, we're talking about poo, our emotions, blockages, and relief. This is not the type of conversation we would have over dinner. So I thought it would be the perfect thing for the Secret Muse Society. If you're not into poop analogies, this might not be the episode for you. And if you are, this episode might be the exact serving of fiber you need to get moving. As my friend Eliza says, don't act like your shit don't stink. So shall we? No one likes being constipated. Am I right? It causes discomfort in our body. It affects our energy levels. It causes us to be irritable. And it creates stink bombs. And yet we don't always address our emotional constipation, which also causes discomfort in our body, affects our energy levels, causes irritability and makes us drop stink bombs in the form of passive-aggressive comments, angry outbursts, adult tantrums, and the silent treatment. Ooh, that one's hard. Silent but violent. In this episode, we'll use a poop analogy to bring awareness to our emotions so that we can show up in life with more ease, have energy to be present and experience the goodness that life has to offer, to shift into a more neutral mindset, which can also create more space for the compassion, positivity, empathy, and kindness. You know, the energy that we actually want to share. For me, a satisfying poo is just as satisfying as a big old cry, laughing with a friend until you can barely catch your breath, or locking yourself in the car to let out a loud scream of frustration. You know, that sense of relief, of finally getting that thing out. So what are some of the signs of emotional constipation? Well, emotional constipation looks and feels a lot like not pooing for a week. When I was in grade five, I went to overnight camp for the first time. There were only outhouses on site. Just the thought of sitting in that hot, dark, rickety wooden shed over a deep hole with flies buzzing around me makes my body tense and clench up. Like, how does one even hold their breath long enough to poop in an outhouse? And how does one relax enough while other kids are running around outside and knocking on the door? Not really a conducive environment for me. My body and mind went on strike. And when my mom picked me up at the end of the week, one of the first things she noticed was my tired gray face. My stomach was bloated and rock hard. And this is the only thing I remember about my first overnight camp experience. The everyday dread of nature calling and me not answering. So what happened here? It was a matter of environment. The external environment, it was hot, dark, rickety, wooden shed over a deep hole with flies buzzing around and the pressure to do it fast. 
And then there was the internal environment. I thought it was gross. I was disgusted by what was inside that deep hole. And I didn't feel safe. I also felt embarrassed. And so I held it in, which was totally unnatural. Isn't that a lot like our emotions? Because what you see is all of this affected my behavior. It made me become super reserved when I was at camp. And I probably didn't have as much fun as I could have. I probably wasn't as friendly and didn't make new friends. And I probably didn't try new activities because my body was just so uncomfortable. And all of this restricted me from making those memories. Now, imagine what emotional constipation over years or generations would look like now that we're adults. Many of us grew up in cultures and therefore households where we didn't talk about feelings. And if you don't talk about something, how can you learn? How do you develop the language to describe what you feel? How do you learn how to navigate your own broad spectrum of feelings? And how do you build the skills to understand what other people's feelings are? How can we fully experience life as emotional beings if we don't let ourselves feel and be emotional? In her book, Atlas of the Heart, Brene Brown writes, when we don't understand how our emotions shape our thoughts and decisions, we become disembodied from our own experiences and disconnected from each other. Isn't it that what we want? We want to live life to its fullest and feel the fullness of the experiences that life has to offer us. And through that, we value the relationships and the connection with others. If we don't allow our emotions to happen and to understand them, we are robbing ourselves of life. My emotional constipation started in childhood. Not really my parents' fault, though. I don't blame them. They did their best with what they had, coming from a Chinese culture that already doesn't speak much about feelings. As a child, I learned emotions are a burden and something to be dealt with, also known as keep it to yourself. Any feelings that were inconvenient or ugly or deemed negative were squashed immediately. Take them to your room or stop it. Get over it. Move on. Or when I had big feelings, I was told to keep them small. Don't be hyper. It's too wild. You're being too dramatic. Careful you don't become too proud or joyful and bring attention to yourself. Be solemn. My dad actually told me to be solemn on my wedding day. Feelings disrupted the peace, right? They were, they were noisy. And if your feelings make other people uncomfortable and you don't want to cause discomfort to others, because that's considered bad and disrespectful behavior. And of course, anyone who is uncomfortable with their own feelings would be uncomfortable with yours, right? So this environment created in me my internal environment of shame and embarrassment. It was as if we were supposed to have control over what we felt. And if it, and it became wrong to think and feel in any way. So I learned to hide. I learned to keep it in. Over time, I believed emotion was bad. Expressing it was bad. And I should be neutral at all times. My inability to cry became a badge of strength, composure, and self-discipline. 
And the opposite was true also when I couldn't help but cry or express my anger or disappointment. That was a a moment of weakness. So really, I just learned how to be numb. I stopped feeling anything at all. And I stopped communicating in the most human way. I've come to realize now that not only did my parents not have the Chinese language to describe their feelings, how could they translate that into English and teach me how to communicate it? English is their second language, and they were learning it as I was growing up. So it's no wonder that the only emotion that seemed acceptable in our household was frustration. And that's because of all the emotional buildup. As I better understand my Chinese heritage, I realize that emotional constipation has been passed down from generation to generation. It's a chronically constipated culture, which no doubt has caused trauma. So by addressing it now in this loving way that I'm going to propose, I consider acknowledging our emotional constipation a way of breaking a generational cycle and healing generational wounds. So how can we cure chronic emotional constipation and break those generational cycles? Well, number one, we need to have the courage showing vulnerability by acknowledging and accepting those emotions. Here's another quote from Brene Brown's Atlas of the Heart, which by the way, is an excellent book. (laughs) The wild and ever-changing nature of emotions and experiences leaves our hearts stretch-marked and strong worn and willing. Number two, allow ourselves to feel. A game changer in our household was learning that it takes only 90 seconds for your body to totally flush out the chemicals produced by your body when you react to something in your environment. After that, any remaining emotional response is your thoughts keeping you in that emotional loop. So think about how short 90 seconds is. That's a minute and a half. Think about 90 seconds of running as fast as you can. 90 seconds of intense focus when you're giving a presentation. 90 seconds of a contraction during labor and childbirth. I think that might be the most difficult 90 seconds I've ever been through. So what other discomforts have you endured for over 90 seconds? Think about it. This is how we build resilience. And by truly feeling your emotions, no matter how big or hard they may be, you allow your body to process it. Think of your feelings as a train traveling through a tunnel. If you stop the train before it reaches the end, you end up having all these trapped trains in your body. Or even back to the poop analogy, if you don't allow your poop to pass through your intestines and out of your body, what do you end up with? collecting a whole lot of shit and carrying that around with you. Do you want to be full of shit? (laughs) So number three, we have to learn how to express our emotions with a vocabulary, creative outlets, and intentional physical activities. Can you guess how many emotions a human can experience? It's around 34,000. This blew my mind because that's a lot. And no wonder we feel like emotions are overwhelming. American psychologist Dr. Robert Plutchik proposed that there are eight primary emotions that serve as the foundation for all others. This is more than the movie, the Disney movie Inside Out, or sorry, the Pixar movie. Joy, sadness, acceptance, disgust, fear, 
anger, surprise, and anticipation. So while it's hard to understand all 34,000 distinct emotions, we can focus on learning how to identify just those eight primary emotions and then act accordingly. With this learning goal, you have to be present in order to be successful, right? Like eight emotions. But this challenges and brings us to our peak awareness. So we learn the words. We can play with them. Try them on and listen to how other people express their feelings. Like reading Brené Brown. The Atlas of a Heart is like an encyclopedia for learning about your feelings and learning the language around them. You can also read poetry or sing karaoke, or meditate to the songs that really move you. Those are both excellent ways to feel and study the emotions and words of songs. Here's another one. Well, how can we practice identifying feelings with the kids in our lives? This is another way of breaking those generational cycles. There are very simple yet impactful tools out there. I've learned so many from my kids who have brought them from home, like categorizing those big emotions into the three lights, red light, green light, yellow light, when to go, when to stop, when to just slow down. And then there's also the feelings wheel, which at the center of the circle has all the core emotions. And then you can use your finger to identify the more specific emotions around it And it expands further from happy, sad, angry. And you get more specific words from that. Actually, I'm going to leave the link so you can download a PDF of the feelings wheel. So check out the show notes when you're finished listening. Here's another thing. Motion is built right into the word emotion. It makes me think of the song, Come on, everybody, let's do the locomotion with me. Emotion. They're meant to move you and move through you. So what activities help you to move your feelings through your body? Is it dancing, going out for a run, punching or kicking it out? What about yoga? When I practice yoga, I often feel overcome with emotion. I don't always know what triggers it, and that's okay for me. I trust that it's something that just needed to be expressed and to come out. And maybe it's something unconscious that I've been carrying around. So I feel grateful that it found its way out. I don't judge it or investigate too much. I just enjoy that sense of relief. So what are those activities that you can bring more attention to when you begin them and when you go through them saying, ah, maybe this activity can help me process whatever emotional buildup I don't know about and go into your exercise or your movement ritual in that way. So back to the stink bombs. Sometimes they still squeak themselves out, right? Maybe we flip our lid on our partners or our children or other family members. And in these cases, in order to break those generational cycles, we really need to take accountability for our actions. We can apologize. And from there, We can recognize our triggers and learn coping skills to prevent the outbursts from happening again. It becomes a learning moment, not just for our kids, but for the other adults in the room, and very importantly, yourself. And finally, just as we would consult our doctors or naturopath about digestive constipation, it's okay to ask for help. 
and or support to deal with our undigested emotions, whether it be working with a life coach or through therapy or by talking with a trusted friend. Emotional constipation happens when we avoid and hold in our feelings rather than process them. Most people will do anything but feel their emotions. They would rather put the majority of their attention on figuring someone else out or numbing it with food or addiction. And then all this becomes undigested energy in our body. And much like if you're holding in your poo, you start to create a toxic buildup that becomes harmful to your health and well-being. And the world doesn't need any more of that. Am I right? And I understand why our instincts are to fight, flight, or freeze when it comes to feelings. It's habitual. It's a default pattern. But also it being habitual in a default pattern shows us that it is a skill. It is a pattern that we can change. So finally, what can we do to create safer environments for our feelings to be expressed? So we're allowed to feel instead of putting our emotions on trial every time an uncomfortable one pops up. We practice non-judgment. We practice self-compassion and acceptance. Our feelings are what make us human. I want to leave you with a poem. It's called The Guest House by Rumi. This being human is a guest house. Every morning, a new arrival, a joy, a depression, a meanness, some momentary awareness comes as an unexpected visitor. Welcome and entertain them all, even if they're a crowd of sorrows who violently sweep your house empty of its furniture. Still treat each guest honorably. He may be clearing you out for some new delight. The dark thought, the shame, the malice. Meet them at the door laughing and invite them in. Be grateful for whoever comes because each has been sent as a guide from beyond. I'll leave with you with that, Muse. I leave you with your emotions. Have fun with them and stay gold. for listening to the secret muse society don't forget to subscribe to this podcast so you never miss an episode and if you haven't yet please go to apple podcasts to rate and review this podcast so other modern muses like you can find us too i invite you to continue the conversation and connect with me on instagram at karenchoy.co join me next week for more secrets inspired by you i'm karen Choi. until next time stay gold